0: Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Lukonen! 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 To the Buffalo line. To the net with a pass! What a save by Lukonen. Sabres able to smack it in. With a shot! Scores! Demigus is going to get this one. He's got himself in front of the net. Quinn. Tapping that. stick. score! Shot from along the goal line on the far side of the ice by Paturka Pass back by Middlestep to Dahleen Stick.
1: Stick in front of the net. Dahleen took the shot. 3-0 over Chicago. Oopie. Great job. Again. Right
0: Back-to-back shutouts for Uko, Pekka, Lukunen. And the Sabres have won five of their last seven and have a chance to close out the six-game homestand with four wins in six Saturday afternoon. Kids takeover day at Key Bank Center, Marty. And we started that little highlight reel with a group we are going to miss in its entirety. There, I think, are going to be a couple still hanging around for the Saturday game. But uh, you had a chance (laughs) to address once again the incredible group known as the Czech and Slovak Fan Club after last night's latest Buffalo win.
1: Yeah, and I got to talk to Victor, their fierce leader, uh, who kind of always I talk to and communicate to through social media with him over the years. And um, so I went up to Victor. And I said, Hey, which one is your guy that plays hockey with Dominic Kashek? Cause Dominic Kashek says, I know one of the guys. He plays on my like men's league team or whatnot. And Victor said, Oh, that guy didn't make the trip, but obviously there's a lot of them. They got to take a picture with Dominic Kashek. Um, that Lukanen. Like song is awesome, by the way. So we'd all should be yelling it in the crowd, right? And that's what Victor just tweeted us. Guys, do us a favor and learn this chant so we can hear it while watching the games at 1 a.m. Thank you. We love you. So it was an amazing kind of ten days with the Czech and Slovak uh, Bills, not Bills Sabres fan club. Those uh, two. <laughs> well, I want to. I always want to say Czech mafia because that's what it is, right? And then it made me think of Bills mafia. But uh, but you don't were, want to exclude the Slovaks in it. Exactly. I don't want to exclude the Slovaks because uh, um, they're a big part of it. So anyway, it started with seven of them. And now they've grown to be this large group that get together, watch games, talk about the Sabres, made the trip for the first time out here to be able to catch the Sabres live. And they were a lot of fun. But at the start of the show, we obviously played the sound of their Lukanen's chant. Uh It just dawned on me that that's... The the saints marching in like song right. It's like Lukanen, Lukanen, a Lukanen, a Lukanen, and that's how they go right. And so I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like anyway, it just that's what they do in Europe. They take a song and they insert player's name in there and they chant the name and they just they they celebrate that player. And I think we should add a little bit of that in in our everyday North American pro sport
0: times a million. I agree. And honestly, like, you know, last night, um, just across the street at the draft room, you had a quick, uh, you know, catch up with them and it never yeah. changes. Like they are the most consistent, upbeat, like incredibly, uh, attentive, supportive, encouraging group. Um, it's infectious. I know yeah. I kind of, you know, talked about that with your personality and love of the game yesterday, but like there's maybe based on volume, the number of them that we're seeing on this trip. And by the way, like what a time to be here. Like, I mean, had a lot of wins, but Holy crap. Talk about, unfortunately experiencing the worst of Buffalo weather while you were here, but. Well, nothing- Bill's playoff, two snowstorms, nothing- really yeah. two Windstorm, like storms nothing Bill- uh, Sabres wins. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, by Amazing. the way,
1: Duffer, this is like, I guess we're getting used to -to back-to-back consecutive wins, right? Because this was the third time, but we hadn't gotten consecutive wins in so long Mm -hmm. from the month of October until just the early January that after the Sabres won against Chicago, it didn't even dawn on me that, hey, this is the third time this year that the Sabres are able to put consecutive wins together. And because that has to be not even the norm or the standard, it's the bare minimum of the Makes standards, sense. right? So I'm like, okay, we're, I'm done with bringing that up because now it's about, can you win five in a row? Can you, like the Orlers have won 12 in a row? I'm not asking for 12 in a row. The Seattle Kraken, well, I know, Duffer, you're, you you always shoot for the high, but I'm not asking for 12 in a row, but I would love to go 5-1-1 one, and one over 7 and then do it again. You know, 5, like, let's go. That's the way it needs to be.
0: Yeah. The harsh reality is, is five, one and one or 12 game unbeaten streak doesn't guarantee you squat. And, you know, again, I hate to say it, but, and this is not an indictment of how they have played since their winning streak, but the Kraken have now gone three straight games without a point. They're yep. falling back down the Western conference standings, albeit slowly, but th- this is the fear factor. And it's almost like. I don't want to say unknowingly because we deal with like we're I think we're we're careful to project stuff that is uh, reality and not some fantasy right so when we were addressing honestly Buffalo's situation about three weeks ago look they have to win two out of every three we didn't like we were sitting here being honest like they need to go whatever it was, 29 and 12, you know, so that means like win two out of every three and then go on a three-game heater to close out the year, something like that, right? Well, they've won five out of seven. That by definition is two out of three, Mm -hmm. two out of three, and the first of two out of three. Yes. So, and it's, and guess what? It hasn't really made a dent in the standings, but Mm -hmm. the hardest part now is to be patient. You can't lose sight of it. You can only address what is immediately in front of you. And, you know, there was a couple of days ago where it looked like, oh, this could be a a big week for Buffalo, potentially, based on other teams' matchups. If they lose, if the Sabres win, all of a sudden, then the schedule gets delayed by a day. Everybody else starts moving up at a time when you weren't expecting them to move up. But if you just... Think of it in the context of win two out of every three. That is going to be a very, very, very high percentage at the end of it all. And maybe you lop off a point every week or every 10 days. Yeah. There is still a window to do that. Yeah. And that's what this group has to believe in. And, and, and hopefully, now that you mentioned the whole back-to-back thing, and we'll dive deeper into goaltending, the hope is that now that they have a rhythm with Lukanen and Goal, that no matter how they play each night, because we're not going to sit here and pick apart the last two wins against Chicago and San Jose. No. The fact of the matter is they won, which they had to do. <laughs> so you don't really care. Like I'm not going to sit there and measure all the chances against and stuff like that, because it's not going to matter when Tampa provides the opposition tomorrow. No, it's not going to
1: matter. I mean, obviously I you, that you win three, nothing, and three nothing or whatnot against San Jose and Chicago, or that you win 10 one and 12 to two doesn't okay. matter. It doesn't matter in the end. Like you can only play the game that's in front of you. Now I did say post game yesterday. Tampa is different story. If you kind of play this patient, very careful game in the first period against like tampa as you did against san jose in chicago it may turn out to be a different story giving up three partial kind of breakaway in the first period against chicago mm-hmm. like lucan needed to be hot but it's end whistle and it's rem pitlick coming in it's not mm-hmm. kucherov and it's not brayden point
0: that's a Look, different re- thing rewind on this streak who was he stopping in the pittsburgh win when he had 44 slash it was down crosby Gensel. Yes, yes. yes
1: it was those guys yes, yes you're right but that's that's that's, oh. that's, that's what that's so it can it can be the same blueprint. I just think that the blueprint worked the last two games fine. I would love to see a little bit more of a, um, a an authority a control in the first period. The shot mm-hmm. attempts were thirty four to seven after the first period yesterday. Great, right? But if I have to put which chances were the best chances in the period, mm-hmm. the top two are Chicago's. And I'm like, okay, uh, is that the way I want to play my 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 first period? No, but but as Robbery pointed out many times in the broadcast, especially when Zemga scored, okay, a little pressure off your shoulders now. You got that one nothing lead. You can keep, keep just kind of putting pressure on Chicago slowly, and you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, tempo is a different story. Tempo is a different uh, type of team. So, well, yeah, a little different approach to the first period would be uh, probably needed.
0: I know producer Jeff is going to keep us honest on this as far as any news uh, emanating from Tampa regarding their goaltending. Um, the fact of the matter is Vasilevsky has played 16 of the last 17, but the Lightning are going into back-to-back this weekend as after Buffalo tomorrow afternoon. They're going to be in Detroit on Sunday. So is this a second meeting this year where Buffalo is going to see Jonas Johansson? Of course, in the first time around, Johansson was the number one goalie because Vasilevsky was hurt. Yes. But the fact of the matter is, even though people aren't talking about Vasilevsky the way they often do, He's 12-6 and six since they got roasted by mm-hmm. Dallas 8-1. to one. His 12 wins are tied with Stuart Skinner for most in the NHL in that time. So don't worry about Vasilevsky and his goals against and the save percentage, which are fine. The fact of the matter is the cat is back. He's going to play most of the games, but might Buffalo catch a break here? Like, how would you play it out if you're John Cooper and the Lightning going into Buffalo-Detroit on the road this weekend? Um,
1: how I would play it out is if you have... Uh, the uh, the plan to go one goalie, one game, one goalie, the next game. I personally, if I'm John Cooper, I'm playing Vasilevsky in game number one. You know, you are looking at those two games um, and saying, okay, like getting one out of two would be great. Getting two out of two would be awesome, but you got to get points. And I always like starting your number one goalie game one. As opposed to say, hey, you know what? 1230 start on, uh, on Saturday, Vassi, you're going to have a practice Friday and then you won't play until Sunday. I'd rather put Vasilevsky in on the Saturday and say, Jonas, you, you get Sunday and that's the way it is. So I think that would be how I would play it if I was John Cooper. I don't know if that's what he's going to do because when you look at Tampa and you look at Detroit in the standings right now, they are both uh, at 51 points. <laughs> you know, they yes. are the, the first team in the wild card and the second team in the wild card spot. They're at 51 points, right? They're both trying to get in the top three in the Atlantic division, and they're only a point behind Toronto, which won last night a 4 3 win in Calgary. But I, I would play Vasilevsky game one, and I would go with Johansson game two.
0: Keep in mind, it's a rivalry game because there are so many tentacles connecting Detroit and and Tampa from the Iserman era, not to mention the Newsy Lalonde era. So yeah. I don't know if John Cooper is going to start his backup against Newsy Lalonde on Sunday. He may go back-to-back back with Vassie. Listen, this is a, a guy a goalie, played 18 of the last 20. But he wants
1: to play. He wants of to play. He, he missed does. half a season already, and I know a you got to manage a, that. A but if the guy season. comes up to you and says, I want to play both games, just like Dominic Hasek came up to you, and I remember this vivid story one year. I was supposed to play Phoenix in Buffalo on a Thursday night. And I showed up to the morning skate Thursday morning and Lindy awkwardly skated up to me in morning skate. And he says, uh, um, Dom's going to play tonight. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, thinking coach's decision. And, and then Lindy, instead of leaving it at that, he says, Dom came in my office this morning and said he really wanted to play tonight. So I'm going to start him. I'm like, well, this is bull. Like, at least, like, just say you made the decision. Not that Dom made the decision, but it is Dominic Hasek, right? He wanted to play against Arizona. Um, and then I got the, the 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 really tough road matchup the next game on a Saturday night or whatever. But still, if Vassi comes up to you and says, I want, I want to play, I don't care if John Cooper says, uh, no, listen, we're gonna put Jonas Johansson in. You're playing Vaslevsky. You
0: should have told Lindy he doesn't see the game very well. Uh,
1: and then go into a great explanation about how I should be playing against Arizona or Phoenix yeah, at so the time. Yeah, so
0: on that note, there are four games, uh, more Sabre Talk coming up here, but yes. of importance because we just showed the standings and we could show them again. Detroit is on a seven-game point streak right yes. now. But they're in Carolina tonight, and the Canes are 7-1-1 one and one in the last nine. Lindy Ruff's New Jersey Devils have one win in the last five. They're taking on Columbus. And Marty, did you know? And I always feel a need to reinforce. No, Jack Hughes, right? And and New Jersey has been hurting guys. Yeah, he has. Yeah, nothing new there, but uh, he he hasn't (laughs) been a part of it. But the point is, everybody dumps on Columbus. And aside from their atrocious uh, run after the first five games, they're 500 in the last 25 games. They are 10, 10, and five. So, interesting matchup for sure. Minnesota is 2-9-1 and one in their last 12 games. They got destroyed by Tampa last night, but they're taking on a Panther team that all of a sudden has lost three in a row. Now, two of those were beyond regulation time, so in the big picture, the Panthers are still red hot. They are 9-1-2 in the last 12. And then closing it out tonight, see, all these games have an impact on the Eastern Conference. The Islanders, who've lost three in a row, and five out of six, all in regulation time, are taking on Chicago, who were just here last night and have four wins in their last nineteen so that's the long winded overview of what Buffalo and their fan base can be looking at tonight yeah. as far as the standings but and we're and we're gonna have Shana Goldman at the bottom of the hour, and yes.
1: uh you know you talk about Minnesota and the New York islanders uh on her podcast, the Too many Man podcast she um and we, let's have fun with her with that. But she feels completely vindicated because she had written a piece about how Minnesota and the Islanders could not keep up, you know, basically winning the games that it was going to come back down to earth. And she got a lot of uh, basically bad uh, messages on how, no, 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 that's, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And now she feels vindicated because the Islanders and Minnesota have kind of regressed to what has been like, uh, well, they're having a tough time right now. And yeah, injury in Minnesota, but still. Uh, they're not winning games.
0: Well, that's a dangerous game to play because we, in this position of talking too much, can't celebrate the wins too much because for everything that we suggest might happen, 26 other things happen. Well, that she might did suggest that
1: maybe because she mentioned it, now there will be a reverse jinx and the Minnesota Wild and the Islanders will start winning.
0: I was thinking more <laughs> of the fact that she really never let go of the fact the Oilers need to get a goalie. So uh, and yeah, that and Skinner has proven, been really has proven good. Not to be true as Skinner's up to a nine-game win streak. as part of uh, Edmonton's twelve-game uh, win streak overall. Um, so much to get to, but let's do the quick update. Although not so quick because we're sixteen minutes into the show and I didn't hit it already. Cousins not at practice today. Samuelson and Skinner were. Eric Johnson not at practice today after taking the brunt of the boarding major from uh, Kurashev last night. Yeah. So we'll obviously pass along the update here. Um, Skinner has been alternating apparently on the power play today in the practice, which was anticipated. I mean, Don was very excited that that Skinner would be back at practice today. Um, this makes me feel like grade school. I was going to start by saying, okay, class, open your textbooks today. We are going to do line review. Ugh. So... <laughs> What did you make of last night's unprecedented line combinations in Sabres history? We had never seen that collection of 12 together, let alone in that configuration. Yeah, no, it was one that uh, early on I was trying to pay closer
1: attention to it. And uh, really, to be honest with you, the Sabres, to me, um, had control of the play more than the Chicago Blackhawks. And the lines all looked really good because Mm. of that. I felt like Zimgus Gergensen's was to me one of the best player on the ice, right? And he's given an opportunity to play with Casey Middletat and Jack Quinn, and I felt like he wasn't behind. He was leading the way. He was first on the forecheck. He was creating that way.
0: I'm amazed you're bringing that up first because remember when I wasn't too enamored with the power play in the first period? Yeah, and you, you, and Razor and I were kind of on different pages there. One of the reasons why was because Gergensen's with Middlestat came out shortly after the power play and they were moving the puck to me at a pace that was twice as fast as what the number one power yeah. play unit was. I'm like, this is the speed they need to be moving the puck. And I love the fact I look Zemkis will to be the first to tell you he's not blessed with true goal scoring hands, but the willingness to shoot the puck when plays are created by Casey Middlestat, is a huge step in the right direction to this team creating more from a rebound chance. Well, and you know, I thought, uh, so I thought, here's what uh, I'm going to do.
1: A review of the lines. I'm going to pick a player on each line. That okay. was for me, the player that, wow, they really changed the way that line looked. So mm-hmm. that Casey middlestad Jackwin, Jack Quinn, and Gergensen's line, I'm going to say Zemgus was a big difference in how that line played and look right. Mm-hmm. So that's one Zach Benson. With Thompson and Tuck. I thought Zach Benson had one of his better games of late. Like, he was good with the puck. On the power play, on the goal line, he looked to attack the net. There's just, there was nobody getting to the front or to the middle of the ice for him to make a play. But I thought Benson looked really good in the game, in my opinion. Um, And on the greenway oposo Olson line, I'm going to say that Victor... You know, showed a little bit of, like I don't want to say anger, but there was a little frustration, maybe that he hadn't played in a while. He mm-hmm. had a couple of good looks from the slot early on, and then after that, he kind of slowed down for that line. So that line for me was more of a uh, they were okay, but you know, Victor hadn't played in a long time. Right. Uh, You know, Greenway's in the middle of the ice, so there's a there's a lot more challenges to that line. And JJ Paterka on the Krebs Robinson line, mm-hmm. like JJ had. A missed opportunity on the power play on the one-timer. He uh, he had a couple of really good plays in the offensive zone. But when he scored that goal, that set him apart. That set him apart saying, I am so confident that I can play my game. I'm going to score goals. Mm-hmm. And now he was able to score his 14th of the season, despite the fact that he's been you know, snake-bitten the last little bit here. But he was able to score
0: on that short-side goal. Um I thought he was a big difference in that in that line as well. Should have could have had a really beautiful primary earlier in the game on a cross-ice pass to Krebs for a one-time opportunity and yes. I thought that trio was maybe the most intriguing one of all based on what we talked about yesterday because of the feeling that it might create for the other two like hey JJ's on our line tonight mm-hmm. and 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 whether it's your imagination running wild when you're watching stuff like this or it's reality, I I thought, it, well, it's hard to define, but I thought they all benefited from playing with one another. I thought Robinson was noticeable, I thought Krebs was noticeable, and I thought Paterka looked like the catalyst of the line, which yes. you would want him to be, right? So well, you I need
1: think... that on every line that changes yeah. every game. But if you have one person that's the pilot, right? That lights yeah. up the flame and then everybody kind of catches fire after that. That's what you need. I thought Paterka was definitely that catalyst, that pilot that lit up that line. Um, but so was, um, Zemgus on the, you know, middle stat and Quinn line. I thought Zemgus, there was a time where he was going in on the forecheck and he was land, like floating on the ice mm-hmm. and he was fat. I'm like, wait a second. Like, am I seeing things here? Like Zemgus has got a step in his game. Well, he was given an opportunity to play a different role and he, it, it feel like it fueled him in that way. So um, yeah, I thought there was one person on each line that really stood out to me. Still snowing where you are a little bit. Yeah. It's still yeah. snowing. And you know, I mean, I had to go out and, do a little bit more plowing, plowing this morning, and may have to do a little bit more. I can't. I love plowing. Don't get me wrong, but I'm at the point now. Where I'm like, okay. I would love to just chill for a little bit and maybe grab a nice lunch or a nice dinner instead of having to run out with the truck and and snowblower and do all of that. So we, uh, we need Oh, oh duffer! I just yes, remembered. Sir. Yes. Oh man, we talked about the game last night. I said <laughs> yes. I wanted because I'm looking at my notes right now. The Rasmus Dalin minor penalty followed by a minor penalty, right? Mm-hmm. So the rule is, is that to be able to establish yourself in the playing area, you have to at least have one foot on the ice before you can make contact with the puck. The same way as if the puck was about to leave the surface, the ice surface and you're on the bench and you knock it down. If it's going to go over the glass, it's a penalty. You're not in the playing field. So that penalty happened. All the fans in front of us were like, what the heck? Why is there a penalty? A couple of people even asked me, like, is that a penalty? I'm like, yeah. You can't touch the puck until you have at least established one foot on the ice. And Dahlin didn't do it. He knew the rule didn't do it. Mm -hmm. But it made me think of Maxim Afinaganov years ago. And Afinaganov got called for the same thing, but he wasn't out of the penalty bench. Max had a bad habit, and Lindy used to hate it, that when he was up, and he would see that his winger that he's replacing would be on his way to the bench. Max would get over the bench, sit on the dasher board with both of his legs dangling on the like over the the ice basically, and he would wait. And then when the player would be close enough, he would hop himself off the dasher board right with his a little movement forward, and he would get into the play. Yeah. So one year we're there, and he sees his winger coming towards the bench, and Max sits on the dasher board, and he's ready to go. And the puck came close to the bench. So while he's sitting on the dasher board, he reached out for the puck and actually made a stick handle and a pass before getting on the ice. Oh my god! And he got a penalty. So Max, in his Russian accent, is like, what do I do? What, what What? do I do? I touch puck. I touch puck. I did play. I make pass. I didn't take penalty. Lindy's yelling, like losing his mind. And still after the <laughs> game, Max is like, didn't know his rule. I don't know a rule. Like, I thought <laughs> fuck. What, what? Oh my God. That was so funny. So the Dalian one wasn't as funny as a Finneganov one, but that was a highlight that we'll never see, but a highlight of Maximus Finneganov's career in Buffalo.
0: Well, I don't know about never. I mean, I trust Tom Mecca to dig and dig and dig and dig oh. into the archives, which, you know, they may, they may be able to produce uh, a little bit more in the way of footage. So, you know, Tommy mm-hmm. was a key contributor to last night's postgame. I still have
1: the sheet. I have now, the sheet right here. And January not mention, 18th, this is the fifth goalie Sabres shutout on January 18th. Don Edwards, Tom Barrasso, myself, and now Uko Pekalukanen.
0: Circle the date. It's a goalie date forever moving forward. Now, Mecca has also been a big reason why some of you who may have taken part in our fan duel, same game parlay. uh, Anybody that's had some success this year, you can often tip your cap to Tom Mecca for helping create that trio of things that may happen in the course of a Sabres game. Now, Marty, before we uh, give you the official promo for tonight, which is Tucker out lymphoma night in Banditland. I do want to take a minute. You're obviously seeing the one of the uh, previous jerseys um, from a past Tucker out lymphoma night. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, man, you said it so well this week when, when you talked about the identity of the bandit bandits franchise and how Scott Loeffler and company have just um, done everything they can to show the support for the Williams family after Tucker's, beyond courageous battle. Uh mm-hmm. it dawned on me today yesterday that um that Tucker Williams has been guiding us from above for longer now than he was actually um on the floor playing yeah. the game. He passed away at the age of 8 uh back in 2014. And I thought you would love this story that Almost a year ago at this time, as you know, most of the players, many of the players that end up playing professionally play Junior A in Canada, Mm -hmm. typically in Ontario Mm -hmm. and British Columbia, but some other provinces too. Last year at about this time, um, the then reigning champions of the uh, Ontario Junior A Lacrosse League made their first overall selection at the draft. And it was an honorary choice of Tucker as the first overall pick. And it was amazing to see how everybody that witnessed that said, we all know Tucker would have gone number one. And I just think it's, you know, to try to put into context what Tucker and the Williams family mean to the game, I don't think you have to look too far beyond a story like that because you've lived it with hockey. I dare say lacrosse is an even smaller community that everyone knows everyone. So when you have something this impactful, like Tucker's courage, which is then taken not only by the bandits, but by most teams in the national lacrosse league, they spread the same message, right? They choose to go Tucker out lymphoma, you know, uh lacrosse out cancer, stuff like that. Um, it is incredibly moving to know that one young child had, and still has, this big of an impact on the game.
1: So, Duffer, this is so, um, it's, it, we're lucky to be here in Banditlands and have this story that every year we can bring up to the people, because it is these type of moments, these types of courageous battles, these types of support stories that we all love to talk about in and, and here. And yesterday I was scrolling through social media when I read about this player on the um, Cape Breton Screaming Eagles Mm -hmm. that returned. So Jacob Newcomb was diagnosed with non-hunchkin lymphoma. And after six rounds of chemotherapy and having done treatments every three weeks, he rang the bell on December 6th and now he's cancer free. And he made his season debut Last night with the Cape Breton Screaming Eagle on hockey fights cancer in Cape Breton. His mom came to Center Ice to drop the puck. Ooh. It was it was unbelievable. So those type of stories, like they're yeah. that's why like we can have a big smile and hug each other and love each other because of these stories that we talk about on hockey fights cancer. And tonight Tucker out lymphoma is mm-hmm. one of the stories. Unfortunately, Tucker's not here, but. His, his presence, as you said, is, is always going to be around because the bandits embrace it. Players around the National Lacrosse League embrace it. It's not just a bandit thing. They all know about it. They all support it. And it's, it's, it goes farther than that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing that they drafted him first overall as a gesture. Yeah. But again, it just goes with the family and the, the togetherness that is the National Lacrosse League.
0: And a time for us to give a shout out to our friend Tyler. Um, we've uh, yes. talked about Tyler Cruz a lot. Um, uh, the bandits were right there at the forefront last year, supporting him as we continue to do so in his fight and can't wait to see in bandit land tonight. 730 is the game time for Tucker out lymphoma, all sorts of uh, promotions, fundraising activities involved during the game. If you're watching on MSG right now, you can scan the QR code on the screen for tickets or go to bandits.com slash tickets. Um, there have been just so many wonderful stories uh, created through Tucker Out Lymphoma Night and uh, I hope you're there to witness it tonight. If not, you can watch it locally on CW23 and uh, obviously we'll see you in Bandit Land. We'll have Shana Goldman with us on Sabres Live right after this.
1: Baseball is back and so is MLB.tv.